I've been a, a few places in my life that are beautiful. Uh, a few places that I've seen that are beautiful. When we lived in New Mexico, Kim and I love to go to this, this spot about an hour, hour and a half northwest of Albuquerque uh, and enjoy these mountains. But also on those trips in New Mexico that I didn't get when I lived in Texas was the boutique shops of art. Um, you know those places where you walk into, they're free, but you walk in and you're like the only couple there and you're like, they, I don't know if we should be here. Like, they're going to want me to buy something, and the price tags are public. I can read. I shouldn't, I, we shouldn't be here. There's nothing going to happen. There's no transaction. But, you know, you get over that after tomorrow. You're like, oh, this is what all people do. I can just sit and enjoy this and tell them clearly I'm going to use a restroom, and I'm not going to buy anything, but we're going to spend about an hour in here. Like, and it's okay. It's okay that we're going to do that, right? Uh, but there's been some spots in Santa Fe that I've just seen, and in the art the statues, the sculptures, and uh, uh, the paintings just move me. That art is moving, that, that you're standing there seeing something, imagining maybe where it came from or, or how this, or what's it depicting, and just, just moved internally, moved in my heart, moved emotionally. And that, that's what art can do. Well, why? Because underneath the, the things that we create is the imaginative perfect, glorious, brilliant mind of the one who initiated all of this, that created all of this, the one that had the, the genius wisdom and brilliant mind to paint the Hamez Mountains, to, to, to paint um, all of the mountains and rivers and, and caves and canyons in, in northern New Mexico. Art is moving, and you'll see why I say that as we go through this text. I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 8 because I want you to see this context, but we're in Ephesians 2. And if you are new with this, we're just walking through the book of Ephesians. That's what we typically do. Uh, as we go this morning, I'll, I'll provide some context if you haven't been around here, but we're looking at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Verse 8, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so not from yourselves and not from your works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So last week we said because God gifted us salvation. That's what it is right there. Because God gifted us salvation, we boast in Jesus, not ourselves. That's what we said. So your works didn't earn God's love. God's love sent Jesus to work and to live in this world, to be born of a virgin, live the fullest, most joyful, perfect, loving life, died a torturous death in your place as your substitute, then powerfully rose from the grave and is reigning at the right hand of the Father. That's Jesus' works. That's what has saved you. So we boast in him and what he's accomplished for us, not in our work. So for us, salvation is not a feat or achievement that we attain, we earn. It's grace, unmerited favor, unrelenting love. Or again, as Pallison, David Pallison has said, contra-conditional love. 
So not unconditional, no, contrary to the conditions. We've broken all the conditions of this relationship, and he still loves us. So we're not saved as a reward for our good deeds or our religious performance or even our church ministry. We have nothing to boast in except the cross of Christ. That's what Paul says in Galatians 6, 14. I swear, I resolve to not boast in anything except the cross of Christ. So we're not going to boast in whether it's it's cocky self-confidence before God or arrogance over other believers. We talked about that last week a lot. Or competition uh, uh, or fight or looking down non-believers. We were not saved and will never be kept saved by our good works of service but by Christ's good works of service. That's all repeating last week. Why? Just because I want you to know we boast in Jesus, not ourselves. Now, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You're a new creation. He said created in Christ Jesus. That is a, a new creation, a new humanity. The, the, the original word, the, the Greek word, is poema, which is where we get the word poem. It doesn't just mean poem, though. It means a work of art. So in different translations, you'll see workmanship in the, in the CSB. The others will try to say a work of art, trying to communicate what's happening here with this word. F.F. Bruce, though, this is what he says. What this means is we are his, God's, work of art. We are God's masterpiece but so why are we spending a whole sunday on one verse because of that because <laughs> you need to let it sink in the reality that you are a work of art by the artist god father son and spirit have crafted you formed you sculpted you into a beautiful work of art augustine said this Men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains. It's the early church father, so this is 1,700 years ago. Height of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of the rivers, at the vast compass of the season, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. What he was getting at is by creation you were stamped with the image of God. So by creation, you are a work of art. You're the apex of creation. What he's trying to say is, why are you going everywhere to look at beautiful works of art and not think about humanity? Not consider yourself, consider what God has done. He's taken dirt, Stuff that I like to get off my feet, I like to clean from, I don't like to be around. Not a fan of dust in this building after this week, right? Not a fan. He took that, like a clump of dust from those bricks are probably right there. He took something like that and formed it and shaped it and made you a masterpiece. God's work of art. The issue I have with Augustine, though, Augustine's only talking about in creation, though. 
So Paul's going further than what Augustine. Augustine's just saying, hey, imagine, can you, can you uh, imagine that you are God's work of art by creation? And Paul says, yes, and you are a work of art through new creation. You've been subjected, if you're in Christ, you've been subjected to two creations. Two creations. You were born into this world by your parents, and you were born again by the Spirit of God. You're a work of art. Just as the Spirit hovered over the waters in creation and brought all the plants, all the vegetation, brought it up. That's what He does when He saved you. The Spirit came over you and gave you a new heart and recreated you and made you new. You're a new creation. You're a masterpiece. You're a work of art. I, I remember uh, I was laughing with Kaylin about this, but uh, I've written her many poems throughout our years. Uh, poems to try to woo her at the beginning. Poems to try to keep her. Uh, and poems to make her laugh. And that's really a big part of it. That's why I can't read you any of the poems I've written her. Because they're so cohesive. They're just, they work so together. I can't remove the two lines from every poem that I have. That's, that's a Song of Songs kind of line, right? That's between us. I can't read it to you. I can't read it to you. And I've written these poems. Why? Because I've tried to create a work of art to communicate to her how much of a work of art I think she is. Do you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? When you think about the Song of Songs and you think of, of what... The writer, in writing some of it, is communicating. They are trying to. The best they, they know how is to use words to create a work of art, a masterpiece, to say, hey, you're a masterpiece. Now, you, you're, you might be a husband and be like, why are you doing this? I don't write poems. You get to read all the time and think about words all the time, Ryan. Of course you write poems, right? You grew up listening to rap. Of course. I'm not telling you to, to write poems. Maybe still some. I can help you out. But what I am trying to say is just, just trying to understand that I was just attempting to put something together to say this is how magnificent you are. And, and what Paul is doing is saying that same thing. The, in the use of the word poema is a poignant point of his to say, hey, you, you, you guys love Ephesians, right? You, I do. One of my favorite books of the Bible. You love this, but this is a work of art to remind you that you are a work of art. That God has created you uh, into his image by birth, and he has recreated you to remake you and conform you more and more and more and more and more, and more into the image of his son. That's a masterpiece. That's what he's doing. I love it because it's a little bit of what happened back in the day. One time, Michelangelo, is Michelangelo uh, the artist, not the Ninja Turtle, he was chipping away a rock. Just got some kids in here, got to let them know. Uh, <laughs> uh, chipping away at a rock, and someone asked him, you know, why are you chipping at the rock? And he says, I'm trying to liberate an angel from this rock. I'm trying to liberate an angel from this rock, is what he's saying. 
He's saying, there's an angel in here, and I'm just working it to try to liberate it from this piece of rock, and that's what the Lord is doing. He has crafted you, has shaped you, he has made you new, and he's going to keep working you, or just to say it differently. Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. And I didn't want to stop there because everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Parallel these two texts, what it is. You are new. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, it's just that. In the original language, it says, if you're in Christ, new. You're new. That's it. But then he goes on to say, he, God, everything's from God. He reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry. So we see this here and in Ephesians 2.10 that because we are God's good work, we do good works. That's what's happening here. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So in stating the importance of works, we've got to be very clear again. Paul is not wanting us to think that works are unimportant. But he is clearly saying that works are at the root of our salvation, not at the root of our salvation, but are the fruit of our salvation. I'm trying to be very clear, and I messed it up. Here we go. He states that works simply are not the root of our salvation. They are the fruit of salvation. The Reformers used to say, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. I mean, we are not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that does work. That does work. You're not created a masterpiece to do nothing. Art is moving. You are saved by God's work, and you are saved for God's work. This is where James really helps us say, hey, no, no, an, an active, living, functioning faith in the supreme, sovereign savior of the entire cosmos has changed me. So what? It's going to work. It's going to b- bleed out. It's going to flow into love and good works. So I know that this is where a lot of Christians get tripped up, is trying to bifurcate, trying to understand really the, the differences and the uh, connection between justification and sanctification. So an attempt to try to clarify that again, let me, let me just walk through it so that we can see the difference and not confuse them. Justification is being declared righteous. You're a new creation. You're righteous. Sanctification is being made righteous over a period of time, being more and more like Christ practically. Justification is our position before God. You stand before God righteous in Christ. Sanctification is our practice. You don't practice sanctification. It happens once for all upon conversion. But sanctification, you work that out, the means of grace, that that growing together. Justification is objective. Christ's work for us. Sanctification is subjective. Christ's work within us. Justification is immediate and complete upon conversion. You will never be more justified than you are the first moment you trust in the person and finished work of Christ. Sanctification is a process. You will be more sanctified as you continue in grace, motivated, motivated obedience. William Plummer, he sums it up well when he writes this. Justification is an act. It is not a work or a series of acts. It is not progressive. 
the weakest believer and the strongest saint are alike equally justified. Justification admits no degrees. A man is either wholly justified or wholly condemned in the sight of God. And what I'm trying to say is you are God's workmanship, a new creation, justified to live a life of good works. To live a life of ongoing, ongoing process of growth and grace. That that's where we're headed. And so when I say great art is moving, God created you as a masterpiece for you to, to splash on the world. Your new creation presence is to be a blessing wherever you go. And so we should jump on board with Paul repudiating the role of good works for earning salvation and also fully jump on board with Paul to see their role as a necessary outgrowth of that salvation. So thinking about good works and living this life of good works because if you're a masterpiece, again, back up and consider the book as a whole. You could think about Ephesians chapter 4 through 6 as being a, a really good list and guide of what are we talking about when we talk about good works. Look at Ephesians 4, I'll tell you. Live worthy of the calling. Live with humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Chapter 5, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in love. Uh, husbands this, wives this. Pay careful attention to this. How you live. Do you see everything he's doing is prepping for this? He's saying, I want you to know that you're a masterpiece, and I want you to know that art is moving. It's, it's going to impact people. It's going to move on to people, and it's going to work out faith working through love. So I'm going to do good works, not to earn God's favor, but because I have his favor, I'm just going to keep working and working and working to bless and, and get to Hebrews and say, I'm not going to grow weary in doing good because my God hasn't. My God hasn't grown weary of doing good to me. He hasn't stopped. He, he hasn't been like, ugh, enough. I'm just going to call it quits. I'm done with you. He hasn't. To grab you a masterpiece, to call you a masterpiece, to make you a masterpiece, and then to keep making you better and better, greater and greater into the image of Jesus is his good heart towards you. It's his commitment towards you. He won't stop. Philippians tells us that what he started, he will bring to a completion. And so what you start in this life, what you've started in this life, we continue on it. We continue in it. You can think about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. It's another great example of what, what does it look like? What is uh, uh, created for good works? What does that look like? The fruit of the Spirit. That's what it looks like. The other Christian virtues, love, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, that's what it looks like. That's what you are prepared for. First Thessalonians 1.3 says this, We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor 
motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. Your work of faith, your labor of love. Faith is functioning, active, living. Actually moves into the neighborhood, sets up shop, and cares for others, and does good works to them over and over and over again, laboring, laboring, working, sweating, enduring, continuing. You can do hard things. You can. You can do hard things. This is an encouragement from Paul, from the Spirit of God, in the midst of being a Christian for the rest of your life, you can do hard things. This is what you were created for. You can do it. And you're like, no. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can. You can love difficult people. You can share the gospel with a friend. You can keep encouraging and correcting your children. You can have hard conversations with them, your children, about their bodies and sexuality. Get more into the Ephesians 4. You can stop stealing and start working. You can stop lying and start telling the truth. You can forgive that person who, can, who cut you deeply. You can do hard things. Why? Because you are prepared for them. Do you see that, that, that phrase? You were prepared for these good works. More clearly, you were chosen for them. The same word that is undergirding prepared here is the same word undergirding predestination in chapter 1. You were chosen, predestined for this life of good works to every person that's in your life. Chosen for this. So why can you do this? Because God has already chosen you to do hard things. Already prepared it for you. Why else? Why can you do hard things? Because you are new and you have the Spirit. That's why. That's why. You can't do this with a dead heart. You can't do this when your uh, uh, ulterior motive most of the time is love of self, not love of others. But as a new creation, your ulterior motive is you've been loved by God, so you're actually going to love others and, and move towards them. That's a different life. But this is what's happened. You're new, with a new heart, new loves, new desires. And you can't do this on your own power. Can you, how many of you tried to forgive someone who's cut you deeply on your own power? How many of you tried to love that difficult person in your community group for months on your own power? You've been made new and you've been given the fuel, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit to empower you to continue to do good works, hard things for the glory of God and the good of the others around you. And because God gifted us salvation, we boast in Jesus and ourselves and because we are God's good work, we do good works. 
That, that's just clear what he's telling us. This is who we are now. And so what I want you to consider this is, is, is again, breathing in and breathing out. That you would breathe in the truth of who you are. My, my growing up, uh, after I became a Christian at 16, growing up in grace after that took a while because I, I was in a culture and, and around a lot of people that would skip ahead of this. Jump to do something, do something, do something, do something. But do something without the gospel leads to a new gospel, which is over time, do these things to earn God's grace. And no, it's not it. It's not the truth. And so you need to breathe in. What has Christ really done for you? By his death in your place and his victory over sin, the devil, and the grave, he's made you a work of art. And if you're like, I can't accept that, I don't see myself that, I, I know and I'm highly aware of all my insecurities and failures, and, and this is very similar. Okay, but, but do you know everything and do you see everything? Do you really know to the extent of what God has done in your life, you don't. So rather than push back and reject what God has done in you and made you because you're so concerned and, and filled with your insecurities and failures is a rejection of God's word. Do you hear me? Rejection rejecting God's word in this moment looks like not believing the truth of what he's done for you, but rather you saying, uh, I'm going to figure out my own identity. I'm going to, to make this happen. Uh, I, I'm just, I can't be that. I'm not that. Am I really new? No, I'm not a new creation. This, 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 and this. And the spirit of God is saying, breathe in this. I have made you a work of art. And now, because oxygen is in your lungs, you can breathe out good works towards everyone around you. To your spouse, to your kids, to your co-laborers, to your fellow workers, to your neighbors, to the people that frustrate you to no end. You can keep breathing in the good news and breathe out good works. And breathe in again the good news and breathe out again good works. It is a rhythm. It is simply like breathing. This is what we have for the rest of our lives. To keep breathing in and enjoying <laughs> this. Yes, Lord, that's what you've done. You've made me new. I'm like, the statue of, of David is cool. We're so much more. The Mona Lisa, all right. We're so much more. A work of art painted, sculpted by the one who sculpted everything you see and chose you before he created everything you see 
to do these good works motivated out of love to those around you for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask that we would boast in you this morning again, that we would see the whole work of salvation as a gift from you, and we'd boast in you, but I also pray that we'd breathe in what you've done for us and to us in making us a new creation and making us a masterpiece, your workmanship. And so I ask for more fruit. Yeah. Lord, if, we, if we're a, a, a tree, if we're collectively maybe a tree, Lord, I just ask for more fruit. Not as in it's, it's <laughs> missing a ton, see so much fruit in this people, in this congregation, but Lord, I ask for more. More and more. Good fruit born out of your good work in us. In Christ's name, amen.